after an answer to a question regarding the attendance of a gay wedding was given by Pastor Alistair Begg. And so we're going to be looking at his answer today and what he said on a podcast that has now gone viral online with a lot of people having a conversation as to whether or not this is something that would actually be beneficial for your witness to attend a homosexual wedding or is it something that would actually be sin to partake in? The Good Fight Radio Show. So to discuss this very important topic is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Yeah, and it has been a firestorm of sorts, Chad, because uh, Lester Begg is incredibly you know, popular, especially among the Reformed Calvinists and so forth. Uh, he's had a lot of messages that, you know, are edifying through the years and considered, you know, evangelical, you know, holding to the fundamentals of the faith and so forth. So it's been a, and he's older, you know, and it reminds you of those kings, you know, who go off when they get old in the Old Testament, in particular in the kings of Judah at times. And I'm not, you know, I mean, God's going to have to pass judgments to where he at, he's at. He knows his heart. We're praying for his repentance. I've already prayed that. I'll continue to pray that a number of times. Uh, for his own soul, uh, because who knows what's going on within and where this is all headed. Yeah, I think that's important to say, you know, um, I, I, it has been very interesting, Joe, to see some of the reaction. Most of the reaction, I think, has been pretty good, actually, from Christians. But then you have some that, you know, I mean, I'll tell you one thing. Liberals are excited about this. Matthew Vines, a guy who literally campaigned, oh, yeah. was Harvard educated before he dropped out so they could write a book about how the Bible actually isn't against homosexuality, right. is so excited about yeah. Alistair Begg, you know, doing this. And liberal after liberal, Kevin Young, like so excited about this online because... They're just animating what the demons are doing in the spirit world. They're jumping Amen. for joy. A Amen. That's Not exactly right. that they have right. joy, but you know what I mean. And, and it's heartbreaking. And so it, I've even watched people that, you know, I like them usually, some of the things they have to say, but take some sort of, you know, middle ground they're saying here where... I got to be honest in this one, there's no middle ground for me and there's no middle ground. I don't believe for us when we're looking at this and saying, what on earth is going on in your head to say some of the things that you have said there, Mr. Big, because this is pretty, this is pretty I, I cut and dry stuff, some of it. And you're trying to uh, gray the, the that which is black. And it really is something that's frustrating uh, when you consider how Christians have stood up against this. I mean, stood up against the very thing that it was warned about, and I will say this, I've seen people come out with videos and before we play any clips or anything, some people are like, hey, he said he's against homosexual murders. He did say that, he even says that in that message. He's given messages and he talks about giving messages on Romans 1 and so forth. And and so to say he's, he's pro-homosexual marriage, I'm not gonna say that, but the attendance, Joe, this is, and, and, and I hate that we're already commentating, but I guess it's probably because we're both fired up about it because just seeing that what's going on, but, you know, we, we have the video. You guys are going to get to see it here in a second. But we do want to welcome you. If you guys didn't know, this is our our special live edition of the Good Fight Radio Show. We do this once a month. So if you're joining us halfway through the show, we're hoping that'll be at the halfway the half hour mark. But we got about six clips to go through. So uh, we're not known uh, for our brevity. All Maybe the time three quarters here. of the way through. Yeah, amen. But we were going to do some Q&A. So if you do have some questions, just write in all caps, question with your question. 
And then as Joe speaks, uh, we'd have somebody complain that I have my computer up during our live stream. And I said, well, I'm collecting questions so that we can interact yeah. with you guys. So if you're wondering why I'm on my computer, it's because uh, we're collecting questions. So if you do have questions, please write them on there and we will try to answer them at the end of He's the show. He's not looking at Cowboy scores. I know that yeah. for two reasons. I know Chad <laughs> and they've long been out of contention. That is very, very <laughs> true. Very true. Yeah, I think our teams went out the same Both week. Times, but, yeah. uh, but but we do have, uh, and Joe, I don't even know if you know this, but we do have a preview for a video that we're working on right now that will come out uh, regarding the Super Bowl. But that will be a little bit later. You guys will get to check that out a little bit later, not yet. I see some of the guys priming that video already, but that's not until after we talk about this very important topic. And I, I will say this before we even play the clip, Joe. The I know that there are people that try to give nuance in some of these areas, and he's even going to talk about that um, later when he did his response um, in the last Sunday message that he gave. But uh, Joe, I mean, this. By the way, if you didn't know, this is actually a video for, back from September. Uh, this is actually a yeah. clip from a podcast show that happened in September. This is not something that happened last week, and now he's responding. It's something that happened in September that he gave an answer to, but apparently not a lot of people heard it at that time because once it got out there, I mean, I saw it when somebody shared it, and immediately, I mean, it was just everyone oh, yeah. was commentating on it. So without any further ado, I wanted to give that introduction to everybody, and without any further ado, let's hear what has caused this firestorm. What was the answer that Alistair Bay gave that he needed to stand up for himself on a Sunday message after stating. You and I know that we field questions all the time that go along the lines of, uh, my grandson is about to be married to a transgender person and I don't know what to do about this and I'm calling to ask you to tell me what to do, mm -hmm. which is a huge responsibility. And in a conversation like that just a few days ago, um, and uh, people may not like this answer, but I asked the I asked the grandmother, "Does your grandson understand your uh, belief in Jesus?" Yes. Does your grandson understand that your belief in Jesus makes it such that you can't countenance uh, in any affirming way the choices that he has made in life? Yes. I said, "Well, then, okay. As long as he knows that." then I suggest that you do go to the ceremony mm. and I suggest that you buy them a gift. Mm. Oh, she said, what? She was caught off guard. I said, well, here's the thing. You're not going to, your, your love for them may catch them off guard, but your absence will simply reinforce the fact that they said these people are what I always thought, judgmental, critical, unprepared mm -hmm. to countenance anything. And it is a fancy, it is a fine line, isn't it? It really yeah. is. And people need to work out their own salvation with fear and trembling. But I think we're going to take that risk. We're going to have to take that risk a lot more if we want to build bridges into the hearts and lives of those who don't understand Jesus and, and don't understand that he is a king. Now, Joe... It, it is really interesting, and, and I want to get your perspective on this for a couple of reasons. But one of the things that really did bother me is just the insinuation there that not going is actually a bad thing, ultimately. Yeah. like it, It's not even like, hey, is this a good witness? And that doesn't mean that it's a bad witness not to. He does make it seem with that sort of guidance that it's almost a bad witness. It's only going to reinforce uh, you know, their, their caricature of Christianity. But Joe, as as a pastor for the many years uh, that you've been a pastor, 
if somebody came to you, and I'm, I'm sure it's something that actually might have happened too, if somebody came to you with this question, how's it? How would you answer this? I've I've been in that. I've answered <coughs> very similar <laughs> questions a number of times uh, with things that aren't considered even nearly as offensive as a homosexual wedding. I've been uh, had to deal with the question a number of times as, in in regard to unbiblical second marriages, where the first person, uh, the person divorces someone because they want to be with another man or another woman. I've had the occasion of having to deal with that a few times as far as answering questions. And uh, do I go to that wedding? Now I'm talking about where it's clear cut. This person has been left for this other person. And this person who's been abandoned uh, because of adultery hangs in there. They don't you know, use their biblical grounds for divorce and remarriage, but they're still waiting. And that other person gets married. I've encouraged people and I myself would have never gone to those types of weddings if I've ever been aware of such a situation, I put my feet down in the ground and say, no, that's, that they're, they're in an adulterous type of relationship and they're, they're trying, trying to uh, affirm that which the Lord says is wrong. And I've come in under fire for that. So certainly uh, regarding the gay marriage, I would have the same counsel. I'd say not to go. But you know what I would do, Chad, if it was that type of situation, uh, you know, let's say, because I have a, a relative that is, has chosen to be, you know, homosexual. And let's say that relative came to me and said, hey, Joe, I want you to come to my wedding as I'm going to be marrying this other person. Uh, and let's just make it more hypothetical so I don't get too personal now. But this is what I would say. Let's say it was a guy. In this case, this isn't a guy, but let's say it's a, a guy. So we keep with this one. And he wants to marry another guy who is pretending to be a woman through transgenderism and saying, can you come to my wedding uh, and so forth. Uh, I would be praying for that person. I would tell them I love you. I care about you. Uh, I told that to my relative, by the way, I love you very much. Whenever you're open to talk, I'm here to, to talk to you about this situation. Uh, but you, you know I, where I stand and, and, I, and I want you to do what's right before God. And I warned uh, my niece, one of my nieces. Well, in this case, I'm talking to you about this situation. So I tell her in that case or him in this case, hey, I can't really, uh, you know, I can't go to your wedding, but you know what I can do and I'd love to do? Uh, I'm here for you. I care about you. I'll be praying for uh, you'd be right with God, but to let you know I care for you, I'm willing to do a premarital counseling with you. I'm willing to sit down with you and the person you want to marry and talk about what the Bible says marriage is. And then I would say, by the way, let's, okay, and then if we can get together. Here we are, Matthew 19, verses 4 and 5. Jesus said he made them male and female, and that the two, the male and female, could come together and become one. And after they became one, uh, they're now one flesh. And what God has said to uh, Put together, let no man separate. I'd let them know that God created marriage between a male and a female, one male and one female, and uh, it's sacred before God. It's his invention. Then I would let them know, Chad, that a gay wedding, I just have to be clear to them, is mockery, is blasphemy against what true marriage is. You're not, I would say, you're not really getting married. You see, that's not how God defines marriage. So what you're doing is a charade. You know, I probably wouldn't use that word, but for the sake of brevity, I'd say it's a charade. You're pretending that this is a marriage, but you're both guys. And then I'd say to them that uh, the, the wedding that we see in, in scripture, the marriages are between male and female because they're a picture of, and this is what a lot of people don't get. And that's why they don't realize how, how blasphemous this is, how egregious this is. And I would think that somebody like Alester Begg would get it is marriage is a picture. The groom is a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ our heavenly bridegroom. The, the woman is a picture of the bride of Christ, the church, the body of Christ. And 
the two of them coming together and becoming one is a picture of Christ's forgiveness for those who've repented and turned to him and become one with him as part of his body. So what marriage is, it actually ultimately points to Christ. So gay marriage takes something that's supposed to point to Christ and they twist it and it becomes this distorted monstrosity which isn't really marriage at all. And I would let them know, you know, I love you guys, I care about you, but you're basically living together as two men, which God's word calls an abomination. And uh, it's an abomination to God. And to celebrate this in the name of God or in a wedding and try to pretend it's sacred is actually spitting in God's face and it's incredibly serious. So I could not dare come to your wedding. But what I will be here, what I will do for you is I'll be praying for you and I'll be here to talk about you if you want to choose to come out of that relationship. Amen. And I think this is so important for people to understand. And, you know, partaking in this it is such a travesty to try to tell someone you know what go to this you know wicked display as you said and i think one of the most important things and for those i've seen in the comments some of the some of the people asking questions and so forth i think it's so important for them to, to understand what marriage is all about my god is the one who ordained it one man one woman and so forth paul and, calls it the mega musterion this great mystery amen amen and so when you're seeing this it, it really is sad to it's one thing that he gave this bad advice, Joe. And if, if that was it, and he came out and he's like, you know what, we have some disagreements, but maybe I shouldn't have put it that way, or maybe I gave some bad advice, we'd all be like, oh, okay, no problem. Praise the Lord, you know, man. No, That'd be awesome. No problem at we all. Pray to that end. And and we do. And in all honesty, I'm just telling you, this is 100% straight truth. I came here to the office, and Tommy and Josh, we were all sitting here, and we were having a discussion about it. And I'm like, well, maybe he's, I'm trying to give him every out. Like maybe he meant this. And I'm like, I, I don't want to give too much judgment off of this little answer on a podcast, but let's see what happens. And then when I watched the sermon, Joe, I was like, oh man, it just kept getting worse. And we're going to start talking playing about clips. his response, his response later, yeah. to the firestorm. Because like yeah. I said, this advice was given. And Joe, one of the things I, I want people to hear is that, you and I, we're not the only ones, and obviously people online are not the only ones that disagreed. He admits to the people around him, some of them actually disagreed. So let's actually play a clip from his response. Now, we can disagree over whether I gave that grandmother good advice or not. Not everybody on the pastoral team thinks I gave very good advice. And as I said, uh, you know, on another occasion with a different person in a different context, the advice may be very different. But at least let's acknowledge the fact that what we're doing is we're wrestling with biblical principle. And when principle for, let's say, holiness of life comes up against the principle of love for your enemy, how are you, how are you going to put that together? Because if I've got to go down on the side of one or the other, I'll go down on this side. I'll go down on the side of compassion with people actually accusing me of just weakness rather than go down on the side of condemnation, which closes any doors of opportunity for future engagement with those who know exactly what we believe about the Bible and about Jesus and about so on. Now, Joe, when you hear that clip, first, uh, one of the things that I thought was really interesting is he admits right there that even on the pastoral staff there, yeah. they not everyone agreed with the way he had answered yeah. that. I thought that was that was very interesting. And just the way he's kind of speaking there, like, oh, I want to go on the side of compassion. 
Uh, could you imagine mm. if Paul, you know, wrote a letter to like a Corinthian church that were allowing sin, and if he just said, you know what, just make sure you go on the side of compassion, guys, yeah. uh, when it comes to someone sleeping with their father's wife, you know, at least it's not against nature, like Romans chapter yeah. one says. And and you know, when I see that, it's just I'm I'm sorry, the doubling down. And there were rumors before this this sermon, Joe, that he was already kicked off of uh, American Family Radio. Yeah. And the rumor was because they asked him about it. Like, hey, did you say this? Is Do you want to recant this in any way or make a statement? And the rumor was, no, he was doubling down. And then you hear this. He obviously was. Yeah, the rumor was that he was doubling down. As you say, not that he got kicked off. He did get kicked off. Yeah, yeah. Amen. But, uh, yeah. You're exactly right. Uh, yeah, Chad, the question is, too, is what is love, you know? Love corrects, you know. Love rejoices in the truth. I'm not watching it. I'm not attending the wedding as though I'm uh, approving of it, knowing it's a big lie. Uh, it's a fake wedding, uh, you know. And love cares for people, you know. Love warns, you know. Jesus warned more about hell than anybody else in the, all of the Bible. Just read through the Gospels. Uh, love. I, I'd have to say, I love you. Therefore, I cannot endorse what you're doing. I can't endorse this 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 union because it's not biblical uh so and chad we have to just look at the scripture the scriptures are really really clear uh not only calling homosexuality an abomination uh you know if 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 i was to leave my wife right no grounds and leave her for another woman and invite people to my wedding while my wife's waiting for me to come back and everybody in the church attended my wedding and and, and when i and when the words came you know uh does anybody think this wedding is unbiblical if or or or, or something wrong with wet with wedding wedding this wedding either speak now or forever hold your peace and all the church just kept silent because well joe's found his soulmate or something i would be first of all that was not going to happen by the grace of god it's not in my heart at all but i'd be disgusted with the people i passed i'd say man i did a terrible job because these guys have no backbone. They should know the scriptures. <laughs> They're being cowards right now. They should be railing against what I'm doing. They should be coming to me and speaking the truth and love to me at the very least and saying, Joe, what are you doing? So, Chad, not only is it called an abomination, right? we're talking about a gay marriage, we're talking about transgenderism, we're talking all rolled into one, and that's the scenario he's presented with. Chad, well, you would agree, we would agree without a bat and eye. Every Christian that knows the Word of God would say, if I said, hey, is this an unfruitful deed of darkness, a gay wedding? <laughs> absolutely. Say, absolutely. Well, Amen. you know, what does the Scripture say? Ephesians 5.11, have no fellowship, like going to a wedding, a gay wedding, and with fruitless gift. deeds of darkness, but rather, yeah, given a gift, but rather expose them. In fact, listen to this. The Scriptures speak in uh, 1 Timothy 5.22, do not be partakers of other men's sins. Come on, guys. We have to heed the Word of God. Do not be partakers of other men's sins. In 1 John 2, 10 and 11, talks about those who have a different gospel and so forth, and they come to you. Uh, we, we, we assume he's talking about their home fellowships, you know, their, their house churches. He says that if you greet them, uh, he says, and this is really, really powerful. He says, for the one who gives him a greeting participates in his evil deeds. So even though you may not even per be preaching that false gospel they're preaching, by basically embracing them as though they're a brother in good standing, you participate mm. in their evil deeds. And I think that's very, very important to understand. I, I really, I'm so glad that you brought that up because, it, and I, I want to give a personal note to this because, you know, when I first came to Christ and praise God, January 19th, that was 15 years to the day I gave my life to Christ. It was also praise my son's Lord. 11th birthday. So pray, praise God. His birthday is on my rebirth day. He was born four years to the day I gave my life to Christ. That's precious. But when I had the gospel shared to me, before I was even given uh, the good person test, before I watched They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, 
the one thing he brought up, my, my brother-in-law, Adam, he's now my brother-in-law. He was not at the time. Uh, he, they married both of my daughters. Yes, yes. But the wrestling team captains. He was uh, my captain, then I became a captain after he left. But um, And it was something that was interesting that stuck out to me. And at the time, I am completely of the world. I'm, I'm an atheist. I'm following every, you know, lascivious act and, and wickedness and fornication and so forth. But what he said to me was interesting. He's like, hey, just so you know, the church that I go to, uh, that Eric and I go to, uh, Eric is our, my other friend, uh, my other wrestling buddy as well, and he's about to have a baby, which might be on February 4th, which is my birthday. Uh, I think they're going to induce on Sunday. So um, a lot of a lot of personal notes here. But Eric, if you're watching, praise the Lord, bro. Can't wait to meet the little guy. But um, but it's kind of interesting. He said, you know, the church that I go to, if you're just you know sleeping with a girlfriend, you're not just going to be sitting there and it's totally okay and everything's fine. And I remember being like, well, that's kind of weird, but I respected it a lot more than, well, it's all just going to be the same. You just add Jesus as the cherry on top. And you, there's you no... Know, at that time, you were lost. You know, I was lost. That, yeah. And I definitely appreciated it because he was going to share with me the gospel of truth. And it had to be separate. It, it, <laughs> if you're not holy, I'm sorry. You have to be separate. And yeah. and to, to have that distinction... And then to lambast those who want to have that distinction. And he's going to do it even worse. We're going to get into some of those clips. But I wanted to point that out. As a non-believer, I remember where I was sitting when he told me that and where it was like, hey, it's different where we go. It's not the same thing. And by the way, that was Blessed Hope Chapel. Uh, that was right here at the fellowship. By the way, our studio is upstairs in, at the fellowship. Uh, but but right here in Simi Valley. So I, I, it just, I was thinking about that when I was watching this. I'm like, does he not realize? I'm like, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know his testimony, but I'm like, maybe he doesn't realize. Like, it is not a witness to be like, it's okay. I'll pat you on the back with your sin. I, I think it's, it's a lie. And, and I'm going to be honest. Out of That's all right. the clips we're going to play, this next one might be the one that probably made me most upset. And guys, I've, I've watched Alistair teach. I've been to a teaching. He, te he taught at a, a local church. I went to a teaching before. I heard him teach on Titus before and did a pretty good job of exegeting scripture and so forth. And I'm listening to this and I'm like, man, I'm like, my spiritual blood is boiling listening yeah. to this because I'm sorry, but he sounds exactly like any homosexual, the homosexual that sat next to Charlie Kirk when people were asking him, why are you trying to win a culture war here with, uh, you know, we're going to win the culture war, but you're a homosexual telling other people to come into the conservative movement as a homosexual. Yeah. Like, how? what culture war? I don't want to win that war. Yeah. <laughs> like, Amen. And what was his response? It's going to be very similar. It's just worded a little better by yeah. Alistair Begg here because just listen to it. I, I guess I'll let him, I'll let him speak. Pharisees often complain loudly of sins they would be quite interested in committing themselves. Be very, very careful when you hear your pastor or your teacher, whoever it is, lambasting a certain area of life, especially in the realm of morality. Time and time again, you will discover that that loud protestation actually, sadly, tragically, proved to be a very thin smokescreen for what was actually going on in the hearts of these people. You know, Joe, he's literally, I mean, when you're listening to that, he's basically given the, the age-old argument of, 
Well, if you preach out against homosexuality, maybe it's because you're secretly gay. That's what he just said with a different accent. No, I, I get you, bro, because he was canceled by John MacArthur. They had their Shepherds Conference, which is a you know big yeah. Reformed Calvinistic conference, and they told they they disinvited him. So and so when he's calling them, fair, he's basically saying those who are speaking out against him, and those are the biggest voices in his mind. Uh, I'm not sure all the people he has in mind, but he's being more general. So does he really feel that you know John MacArthur, Phil and Johnson, Phil Johnson, and these guys really want to wear dresses and really wish they could be transgender, you know, and they wish they could do a bunch of gay weddings or or go to them and so forth. Uh, it's it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I have my disagreements with John MacArthur in a number of areas, uh, but I do believe he has a staunch moral character and conviction about what's right and wrong, and to hear that. Uh, is absolutely mine. In fact, what he says is not even really true to experience. I'm sure it is with some people, but I'm like, you know what? I know there was a pastor in town here in Simi of a mega church, one of the biggest churches in town. And it was, you know, very, you know, secret sensitive-ish. And uh, he fell into adultery for a long period of time with, I think, a secretary. And then his worship leader did as well. And they were both finally out of there. And a brother that Stop going to church for some time, and I encourage him to be back, get back in fellowship. Just find a, a biblical church. Uh, he said, I was wondering why he never preached against adultery. Mm. And I'm like, because what happens is when a preacher is, is involved in some kind of sin like that, uh, he's oftentimes they go soft because they don't want to speak about their own sin, and they don't want to be considered a hypocrite if they're found out, you know? So uh, what he's saying there to generalize and make those kind of statements is the, the purpose of what he was doing there was just paste tar and feather, at least the character of those who would be saying what you're doing is wrong. He actually went really low. He's not dealing with really the uh, specifics of the argument. He more, he's, it's more of a, uh, you know, it's, it's more of an argument that is meant to, you know, tarnish the character of your, those you're in opposition to. And Chad, you know, when I, I was praying about this, I was like, Lord, this is so wrong. And I sought the Lord in prayer and I said, Lord, Give me the best example. Put it on my heart because I was trying to think through the scripture. The best example uh, that I, you know, in scripture, uh, and I'm not saying this is the best example, but I know after my prayer, the scripture came right to my heart. And I was like, whoa. And that was in Matthew chapter 14. And in Matthew chapter 14, John the Baptist is beheaded because he didn't agree with a Mm. wedding. Oh, wow. And we read in verse 3, for when Herod had John arrested, he bound him and put him in prison because of Herodias the wife of his brother, Philip, because he took Philip's wife in an unlawful marriage. Uh, For John had been saying to him, it is not lawful for you to have her. Now this cost him his head served on a platter. Now what if, you know, too bad, you know, uh, too bad Lester Begg wasn't there. Then he could have said, John, you're being too judgmental, you know. Maybe you, you want to be with yeah, the, you know, someone else. Yeah, John, bride, you must you know? really want that woman, you know. Yeah. Or, or John, you should just you should have attended their wedding, John. Uh, now we're we're looking judgmental. Of course, Christians are going to look judgmental because we have the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's ministry in chapter sixteen of John is to convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. So we must hold the biblical line as to what truth is, what righteousness is. But we must do it in love. So we're going to be called judgmental because people don't want to repent. The problem is if you're judgmental in an unloving way to where you're doing the same things that you're accusing the other person of doing, then you'd be in sin because you're supposed to remove the beam from your eye, but you're also supposed to speak the truth in love. But Jesus commanded us, judge righteous judgment. And the church and and the world doesn't want to be judged at all. So yeah, we're going to be considered judgmental. The context is, in what way are you going to be judged? So it's a huge stumbling block, Chad. It's a huge stumbling block. And I think uh, it's interesting. I was thinking about 
you know, with Alester Begg, what if, you know, would he, okay, so he's invited. Now he's invited to a gay wedding. And now he's, now he's in a real pickle because he's just gone on record saying we'd be considered judgmental if we didn't go. So when he goes to the gay wedding, he's going to follow his own advice. He's going to say, well, you know what? I don't agree with your guys' wedding and stuff, but thanks for inviting me and I'll be there and, and give them a gift as he told the grandmother to give. Is he going to, when they say, uh, you know, if you disagree with this wedding, you know, speak up now or forever hold your peace. Is he going to be a hypocrite and not say what he really believes and take the opportunity to say this is wrong? Yeah, I'm sure based on his evidence. What he's saying here, he doesn't want to consider judgmental. So then he'd let that go. Is he going to applaud when the two men kiss each other with everybody else? Is he going when they give a toast to celebrate their wedding? Is he going to put his head down and look judgmental? Or is he going to say, there's going to toast? He's in a real dilemma. And I think if he thinks this through, he's going to realize, you know what, this was wrong it's wrong that I've done. I hope and pray that he gets to that point. You know, think about this. The apostles, Nero, the emperor, Merod Sporus. Sporus was a boy. The boy Sporus was his slave. Nero's slave, the emperor of Rome. Peter, James, John, you know, Paul. I think he, you know, got married in 66, 67 AD, just, be, just after Paul got beheaded. But say Paul was still alive, right? Would they go to that wedding? I mean, they he took Sporos, a boy, he castrated him because he looked like the woman that he beat to death, his ex-wife, and he looked like her, he thought. So he castrated and he married him. And then he dressed her at the wedding like an empress in an effeminate attire. And, you know, sadly, Sporos, when at the age of 20, committed suicide. But would they have gone to that wedding? I'm going to ask you, Chad, would Peter and James and Paul have gone to that wedding and sent gifts to, to Nero so they weren't considered judgmental? Absolutely not. And, and Joe, this is the problem that people don't understand is that when God has labeled something abominable, yeah. it's abominable. That's it. There's no question about it. It doesn't matter what your feelings are, whose feelings are getting Amen, hurt. Bro. And and it's and it's a heartbreaking thing, but it's a reality that we have to deal with. And 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 Joe, I, I love the the uh, John the Baptist analogy. Jesus said that nobody born of the womb was greater than John the Baptist. Yeah. You know, and you're you're talking about him coming out against that. What a I mean, really, really, what a clear cut example of why this line of thinking and what he's going to talk about later in these clips is nuance and man mm. studying the studying the submerging church which is now the progressive church which is now the deconstructing church which is now a bunch of non-believers yeah. um joe the 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 idea of nuance man that has been one of the biggest ways to pervert that's right clear teachings of scripture point. and we're going to get into that i don't i'm i'm going a little ahead of myself because joe he doesn't stop with his pharisee stuff and he wants to compare and 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 compare coming out against the attendance of a gay wedding, which I'm just being honest. This is something that he could very easily repent from. It, it just seems like, you know, uh, Proverbs 12.1. I make my kids memorize Proverbs 12.1 because if you have children, you know. The stiff neck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Correction is not something that they're, they just want to have, right? Uh, it, it's something that needs to be, you know, uh, shared with them. And so both of my sons have had to uh, memorize Proverbs 12.1 because it is a fact that if we do hate correction, then we are stupid. We are yeah. we are people that are not loving and and heeding sound doctrine and 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 the sound wisdom. I've of used others. that verse with them too, bro. And I make them they I make them use the word stupid because I like that translation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I do. <laughs> That's the one I I use because they're not allowed to call NSB people stupid. stupid. Yeah, yeah. and right, NSB right. does. That's the one yeah. I used as well. But I, I want you to hear this because this is a continued, in the same message. So I am really, man, please, I, I hope somebody comes and speaks wisdom into his life and he heeds that correction. Amen. But 
I want you to listen because he's going to continue. I'm sorry, this is a perverting of the scriptures to me too, which is even more dangerous as you deliver that on the Lord's day. But here's another clip. The Pharisaic doctrine of holiness of separation from the world, he says, was a perverted doctrine. The motivation to keep yourself pure and holy is a right motivation, but it was perverted by the way in which they applied it. Instead of seeking to be holy in thought and word and deed, while retaining relationships of love and care with all men, they withdrew from social contact with sinners and despised those who didn't follow suit. They basically became a holy club, and they, in the process, became harsh and censorious. Well, the attitude of Jesus is totally at variance with that of the Pharisees themselves. They were scandalized by his free and easy fraternization with these people. You can't do that. You can't go there. That's why it begins. All the, the publicans and sinners who said, we got to go meet Jesus. And the Pharisees were grumbling. Can you believe this thing? He goes to the house of publicans and sinners. He meets with sinners. Loved ones, Phariseeism is alive and well in all of our hearts. We have to guard against it. The motivation for purity and holiness of life and circumspection and so on is absolutely unquestionable. The real challenge comes when we are confronted by issues that don't just fit our clean little categories. Now, Joe, when he's talking about that, and once again, uh, you know, I think of, of Matthew 11, you know, Jesus is basically a wine-bibber, you know, he just hangs out with all these sinners, and look, it's all free fraternizing. That's all Jesus was doing is free fraternizing. It's just, you know, we show up to weddings, and we do these things, and, you know, when you read the book of Revelation, you see that these people are leaving their guilds, not having an income anymore and dying because of it. Yeah. But, you know, they're just fraternizing at that. The, you know, they're going to their pagan festivals and doing all their stuff. No, that's exactly the opposite. And to label the advice he gave as if that was what Jesus was doing when he was going to the publican, going to the prostitute and so forth, to label that as free fraternizing and coming out of against somebody saying, no, you shouldn't go to a celebration of something which is an abom abomination before the Lord. Man, that just seemed not, it's worse than a stretch. It's just dishonest if he is looking at the text. Yeah, it's a real twisting of the scripture, Chad. And you, you make a very, very salient and important point that we dare not miss what Chad's saying here. Because uh, when Jesus hung around sinners at times, he wasn't just hanging around them. He was ministering to them. He would say things to them like, go and sin no more. He would say things like to the man who was paralyzed for 38 years after he healed him, go and sin no more, let something worse come upon you. In fact, when they said, you know, when they condemned him for, for being around them, he says, it's not the righteous, you know, it's not the, you know, the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. He says, the son of man has come, right? Why? He says, to give himself a ransom, right? But he also said, to call sinners to repentance. So when Jesus was there, he wasn't we can, we, we are, he wasn't celebrating their sin. He's encouraging her to give a gift and celebrate. Did he say, and when you're there, go and tell them, hey, this is unbiblical. Tell everybody this is wrong. They need to repent, you know? No, he wasn't saying that. He was saying, go and basically make it look. In fact, he was teaching this older woman to look like a hypocrite 
because by giving a gift and so forth, she was giving two messages. One before men, as though I'm celebrating this and everybody seems to think that she's okay with it. And a secret one to them that I don't really disagree. I don't really agree with it. But then again, give them a a gift as though "Mm, grandma's getting close because I'm telling you right now, the LGBTQ community is seeking to convert us, okay? And when they see you coming to those weddings, they're like, they're thinking, ah, they're softening up, you know? That's what they're thinking, uh, typically. So, uh, Chad, it's important also, uh, we're not supposed to seek to please people. You know, Paul said in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, am I now seeking the approval of men uh, or of God? He said, if I was seeking the approval of men, then I would become an enemy of Christ." And Jesus in John chapter, or Matthew chapter 10, verse 34, he said in through 36, he said, think not that I've come to bring a peace on earth, but a sword. And a man's foes shall be they of their own household. And mother shall be against daughter, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law and so forth. And he said in verse 37, I believe it's around verse 37, he says, if you love your father or mother more than me, if you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of me. So when we're talking about love, we're supposed to love God first and foremost with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And therefore, we must look at everything through the prism of that love and what his word says. And when we're called to feign as though we're celebrating something that's an abomination to him and actually is a blasphemy and a mockery of of Christ's union with his church, we can't countenance even doing that. Real love, real love, real love would say, hey, I love you guys. I want to let you know that what you're doing is contrary to the will of God. You're on this broad road that Jesus warned leads to destruction. He died. He loves you. He paid for your sins. You need to turn to him and repent and have life. Guess what? I'm just like you. I'm a sinner, but I was saved by grace, but he's given me a new heart. So I'm no longer practicing sin and rebellion to God by his grace. And guess what? I don't sit over you judging you and by my own standards. I'm letting you know this is what God's word says. I'm another beggar saying to you, he's given the bread of life. We simply need to partake of it and turn him from turn to darkness or from darkness to the light of Christ. Chad, that needs to be our plea to them. I think it's important in scripture because listen to what Jesus said. And this is in uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 26. He said, woe to you when all men speak well of you. So if we're concerned about the LGBTQ community speaking well of us, they're only going to speak well of us if we agree with their sin, if we go to their weddings and bring gifts, if we're like, yeah, we disagree, but hey, we also can just all just get along and still pretend this is a, as a marriage in some way. Uh, Matthew 5.11, Jesus said, be glad when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil because of me. So we're supposed to speak truth to the lie in the name of Christ in a loving way. Uh, it's not an either-or proposition. It's both. We speak the truth in love. We also stand in the truth. And by the way, you can say, hey, this is wrong. But guess what? When you show up and give a gift, your actions speak well, way louder than your words. It is so true, you know, and I've been trying to look at and how, how other people are, are answering this as well. You know, those who it's sad because he has really cast this wide net over anybody that would disagree with him. And that wide net is is really an offense, and it really is. It it to to label everyone basically as graceless Pharisees. And by the way, the Pharisees were not saved. I mean, some did get saved. Obviously, Nicodemus comes says, "We know you're from God." They even knew Jesus was from God, and we're still denying him. John chapter three. But but you know, it really does bother me. And this is seems to be a statement is made, double down, triple down, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of yeah, because because obviously someone already. Came I was to him. shocked when I heard how he. Triple down, yeah. I actually was too. I thought honestly that he would come out and say, you know what, I, I gave that advice. I should have had, uh, you know, a little more nuance to what I was saying. Whatever, whatever was in his head at the time when he gave that advice. But Joe, this, these are his words. 
regarding repentance from this issue. And I do believe that this answer is probably why he's not going to be at Shepherd's Conference. Mm. People want to, me to recant and to repent. To repent? I, I, I repent daily because I say a lot of things that I shouldn't say. I mean, check with Sue, but the fact of the matter is I'm not ready to repent over this. I don't have to. Wow. You know, Joe, <laughs> when you hear that, well, first of all, he, the way he said it, like, oh, like that I need to repent. I was like, man, what's going on with you? Like, what is in your thinking? I understand he probably has hate mail that is just terrible, but I'm just being honest. Like, we get a lot of that, and we still can't come out and let me be angry at every person, especially the people that are just sharing biblical truth with him. Like, hey, this is probably not the way you should have went in a very graceful way, and lambast everyone and be angry. First of all, I'm sorry, for that sort of reaction, the things he's saying about Pharisees and, and, and so forth, that's not somebody that would probably was ready to get on the pulpit. I, I'm just being honest with you. On that day to come and share, to be that obstinate about this, especially when you have people, by his own admission, Joe, his own elders and pastors at his church, like, could Dis you disagree with him? Anyway. Disagreeing yeah. with him and then being like, I got nothing to repent about. It's just, it, it's a sad thing to watch. And that's why we're saying, like, listen to his answer. It's not just our opinion. Oh, he's double tripping down. I mean, that is a double down more than I've, I, I could express. Yeah, I would, I would personally, you know, uh, ask. Lester, where are you going to draw the line? You know, are you going to draw the line? What if, you know, the gay community starts knocking on your door saying we'd like to use your facility for gay weddings? Mm. Uh, I thought about that. I thought, hmm, what would he say uh, if they said, and, and, and he, of course, he would hopefully say, and I think he would say, but I can't officiate, but, you know, because personally I disagree with him, but would he say no? Because guess what? Then he's going to be considered judgmental and he doesn't want to be considered judgmental. So they say, hey, can you show some love? your fellow human beings uh, and, and allow us to uh, have a, a gay wedding here, what's he going to say? And then would Jesus be wrong if, for instance, what did Jesus do? He, he wants to pray, paint Jesus some limp-wristed, you know, just let anything kind of go as though just be sweet. And just fraternize with the homosexuals. With, yeah. yeah, the homosexuals and the drunkards as though it was okay and that he was, you know, not calling, not, them, not calling them to repentance because that would be judgmental. That's the way he sees promote it. He speaks out, I know, both sides of his mouth on this, so it can be confusing for those who are listening to him. But guess what? You open, what if, uh, what did Jesus do when he went to the temple? And there was a den of thieves. He was, he was, you know, Whips. tripping, uh, throwing, <laughs> tables throwing tables over, there. pulled out a whip, right? Well, guess what? If it becomes a den of not thieves, but den of homosexuals, is Jesus going to go and act like, well, I'll just give a gift and so forth. That is not biblical. That is not Jesus. Okay, that's not Christianity. And this is, it breaks my heart because I know he has influenced so many people. And it's so disheartening because I could see thousands of people that have been under his influence saying, oh, I guess I could do this. I guess that's acceptable. And it just moves the goalpost, you know, and moves in the favor of just continuing to create an attitude of lawlessness and permissiveness in our world. Yep. And, and sadly enough, Joe, he tries to kind of, and this will be the last clip we play of this, but... Um, and, and we'll finish up on that. If you guys have questions, we'll try to go through some of them um, before we end here. But, but Joe, he tries to distance himself as if this is the, this answer of not showing up to a homosexual wedding, which, by the way, people that are pastoring the church, that he's shepherding alongside at his church, disagreeing with them. And he wants to distance himself 
from those and then obviously once again put everyone under this umbrella so to speak and I thought man this is really interesting to do this but listen because we've already heard him say he doesn't he doesn't want to need doesn't need to repent of this not this he doesn't need to repent of but also Joe listen how he wants to distance himself from somebody who would read the scripture and say obviously we cannot partake in pagan homosexual rituals because that's not a marriage I, I've always said I am a little bit out of sync with the American evangelical world for this reason, that I am the product of British evangelicalism represented by John Stott, Martin Lloyd-Jones, Eric Alexander, Sinclair Ferguson, Derek Prime. I am a product of that. I have never been a product of American fundamentalism. I come from a world in which it is possible for people to actually grasp the fact that there are nuances in things. Those of you who are lawyers understand this. Everything is not so categorically clear that if you put one foot out of this box, you've got to be removed from the box forever. So, <laughs> you know, when you hear that, and, and there's that, that word nuance, and I'm not saying that there aren't things that there are nuances that need to be prayed about and so forth. But just as he said, oh, not this with repent, this is not one of those things. This is not one of those things that's just like, well, there's some nuance here. And I understand you can give bad counsel, but when so many of your faithful brothers and sisters that you are now just calling a bunch of fundamentalists, right? People that have distanced themselves from you that by the way, have had you alongside of them and you didn't mind, you know, I'm sure taking honorariums all those years from those different groups that you went and shared from, and now they're just fundamentalists. I never really was involved with them. Really, I was just there speaking on behalf of, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, which I I doubt that he would agree with you. Yeah, here, I think but. most people he mentioned would not agree with his counsel. <laughs> that's what I, I think was he's thinking. trying to get some, he's trying to get some support that's, that he, he dead man can't speak to this issue so he uses dead men yeah. mostly yeah yeah except for maybe like uh, i think sinclair ferguson's still around but yeah exactly he's mostly, you know yeah. john stott which we will disagree with him on the eternal conscious torment but uh but joe th this has been um and and for for people and i had a question i thought we can kind of start the and question before you get to it i'll just go right for that question is what if his neighbor says hey uh you know Lester, you know what we're doing we're having a, a, a really it means a lot to us and we just are so grateful that you're you're our neighbor and we want you to come to uh, the hospital and and celebrate with us and and because what we're doing is is we're giving our five-year-old boy a sex change mm -hmm. because we feel deep down he's really a woman and and would you please come to the sex change and then we're gonna go out to eat afterwards and just celebrate and so forth and uh, would he go to that I'm just wondering would he go to that or would he have them allow them to think he's judgmental he's a fundamentalist or would he say you know what you know in the in the in the you know idea of you know European evangelicalism. Yeah, I'll go. You know, give me a break, man. This is just reprehensible. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought, wow, what a weird thing to to bring up. And it's like... It's kind of elitist. It's kind of elitist. A hundred percent. Think of Pharisees, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all those, you know. I mean, it just, it was a sad thing to watch. And, uh, you know, Joe, I, I saw this and I and I thought the question kind of, it's great. It's a, it's a really good question. It's from Daniel uh, Watcher for the Lord. He said... How can you attend a gay marriage when there cannot really be such a thing? Yeah, it's not a by definition, it must be a man. 
and a woman? And really, that's a rhetorical question, but a very good one to ask. Amen. And that's why we've been calling it a fake marriage throughout. It's not. Amen. In the very beginning, we said this is not a marriage. No. And you're spot on, brother. Shame. It's not a marriage. <laughs> Amen. But, but Joe, these things are, are important, and, and the reason this ministry uh, exists is to expose the unfruitful works of darkness but ultimately not just to expose them and be obedient to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11, but get all the way to verse 13 where Christ does arise Amen. and shine in people's hearts. You know, Joe, we, we're right here at the end. We, we um, you know, we've talked about an, an important topic for, for people to understand. And, you know, when it comes to sin, and, and rather than getting into questions, I want to finish up with this. When it comes to to just sin, and, and we're talking about sin and wanting to live holy lives and, and, and steer clear of that, and share the gospel and, and share the gospel with others. I think people, you know, maybe they need to know why this all matters, why it matters that we actually share the gospel and not just attend gay weddings, why it matters that we do not partake in the unfruitful works of darkness and why it matters that somebody who has had, you know, pretty faithful ministry all these years that, as you mentioned, the kings of old, it seems like what's going on here and that we do hope he repents of Amen. this, even though he's scoffed at the idea we do hope that he does, and those those elders or pastors that are at the church also bring that counsel. But, but Joe, just for people to understand why this sin, not just homosexuality, but any sin, why it really matters and why we need people to have the hope of the gospel. Yeah, absolutely, Chad. Uh, one thing I want to encourage everybody to do is you know, put feet on what we're talking about. I mean, if we just become more aware, yes, this is wrong, and we're more galvanized in our position of, hey, we cannot allow Satan to move the goalposts, as to what the church's stance ought to be based on scripture. Uh, and that's all important that we get that. And we've labored to that end, but also uh, we need to have compassion on him. And I mean, we need to be praying for him. We pray that he's right with God because uh, when I step in the pulpit as a pastor, I recognize that there's a, a, a certain sense of fear and trembling because James 3, 1 says, let not many of you seek to be teachers for you shall incur a stricter judgment. And those scriptures are written on my heart. So I don't dare uh, approach the pulpit without crying out seeking the Lord first. I don't dare come before you before I cry out to the Lord a number of times. And I believe the same is true with Chad. But we shall be so be praying for uh, praying for Lester Begg because uh, we want him to finish his race, you know. And uh, and he is hardening his heart, you know. And he is refusing to repent. And he's become very apparent in that declaration publicly. And he's going to be leading a lot of people astray. And I'm telling you right now, if he continues to hold uh, this position, I think very likely further things will come out down the line and he'll take other positions very likely. We'll see. I don't know. I hope not. But we can pray that that doesn't happen and that he gets right in this area. So I encourage everybody to pray. But uh, the reason is because sin's a killer, man. We don't celebrate sin. We don't celebrate uh, fake marriages as we've been saying throughout this program. Uh, we, at what God's word calls, and our brother was right, it's not really a marriage and that's what we were saying earlier. It's an abomination. It's a mockery of a marriage, and we can't celebrate that. And it's such a mockery, Chad, because what you can't celebrate sin as Christians. So sin is what nailed Jesus to the cross, mm. man. Sin is why Jesus accepted our punishment. He accepted the punishment of our sin upon the cross. He was crucified, and we should be praying, God, help me see the gravity, uh, the sinfulness of sin. And we understand that sin is what put Jesus on the cross, Sin is what brought death to all of humanity, is why people cry and weep millions and hundreds of millions of times over at funerals because they're seeing the effect of sin. That's what sin does. But we uh, don't just stop there. We say, what's the answer to sin? And that is Jesus. 
who bore our sins on the cross. And that's why, as Chad emphasized in Ephesians chapter 5, it, it doesn't stop just with exposing the fruitless seeds of darkness. It goes on to say, let the light of Christ shine on you and rise from the dead, O sleeper. And our hope is that if anybody's listening and they're asleep in their sin and they're still practicing rebellion against God, that God will have used this show to show you why we take sin so seriously because sin separates you from God. Sin, you know, the punishment of sin is eternal separation from God in hell. And we don't want you to go there. And Jesus doesn't want you to go there. That's why Jesus died in your place and paid for your sins and rose again to conquer the grave so you could have eternal life. But you must repent of your sin. You must turn. And the word repent, metanoia, means to turn, to have a change of heart, change of direction. So let's like say you got off the wrong road and you're not headed toward your destination. You're not headed to heaven and you're driving, you know, to wherever you're going. And then Siri says, hey, you've, you know, you've, you're off your destination. And she, she redirects you back to your destination. And you going back to your des- destination, heading the other direction would be a picture of repentance, but not for Siri's sake. God tells us by his spirit that we need to turn from that broad road that leads to destruction and turn to Jesus, who's the way, the truth, and life, the narrow road that leads to life. So we encourage you to choose Christ and have eternal life. And he said, if you come to him, as many as come to him, he said, he'll, we will not cast you away. So turn to Jesus now, and he'll accept you and forgive you of your sins. Amen. Trust in him. Well, without a doubt, and uh, Joe, I hate to do uh, any housework after you share the gospel, but hey, maybe you just got saved, and you're like, I need fellowship. We are coming to the East Coast, March, and I have the dates right here, Joe. I wanted to, to share them. March 21st through the 24th, we're going to be in Pennsylvania, close to Lancaster, but I put a link in, uh, I put a link in the live chat. I'll put it one more time before I say goodbye here, and we'll put one in the description as well. So if you're if you're anywhere near the East Coast, or maybe you're on the West Coast, want to fly out as well. Uh, Pastor Joe and myself are going to be teaching that entire weekend, and this is our third annual that we've done this, I believe. Yeah. And we, it's cool for us because it gets nice and cold, and I'm not used to the cold. You know, <laughs> California boys here. I'm sure you noticed from Joe's. Uh, very, you know, surfer style accent that we get talked about a lot on here. But uh, we are we are excited to be out there and hopefully you guys can make it March 21st to the 24th. As I said, I'll put a link in the description and a link in the live chat. So maybe you just came to Christ through hearing the gospel or maybe you're someone who's been edified and grown in Christ and you want to hang out with us. And guys, it is very intimate in the fellowship. You'll know. A lot of, a lot of men that love Jesus. We can't wait Jesus. to be with them again. Amen. Yeah. And, and we get to hang out with everybody. And Joe and I like to hang out. So we'd love to meet you guys if we can. And there'll be no gay weddings there. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you guys. You've been listening to the Good Fight Radio Show with pastor and author Joe Schimmel and host Chad Davidson discussing contemporary issues in light of the Bible and how they relate to family, culture, and the church. To learn more about Good Fight Ministries, visit us online at goodfight.org. Join our growing social media family and consider partnering with us at patreon.com slash goodfight.